Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a special Friday edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Adam Best, joined by producer Richard and a special guest. Here to help me break down the Chiefsaholic saga is famous bank robber turned author Joe Loya. He'll join us momentarily. But first, we have bills to pay. Hey, Chief Sands, we have a new offer from FanDuel that you will want to take full advantage of. New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All you have to do is click our link in the description to sign up. If you sign up for FanDuel with our link, you will not only have your first bet insured, but you will also be greatly supporting the podcast. So... If you're interested in trying FanDuel, please click the link below to sign up with us. The offer is available for new customers who are 21 or older and physically present in most legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the description for the offer's full terms. And if you already have a FanDuel account, you can head to arrowheadaddict.com bets to find more betting offers and ways to support our podcast. Thanks for hanging in there. So let's welcome Joe Loya onto the podcast. Hey, how Joe, you doing, my man, how you doing? Good, thanks. I didn't think we'd have you back so soon, but I'm glad to see you. Uh, you you were not lying when you said that uh, Chief Saholic, aka Xavier, uh, Xavier Babadar, would not la- uh, last long on the run. Wait, so yeah, so when did we talk about three weeks ago, two weeks ago, and he got picked up like a week ago, right? Something like right, that. Right, right. Uh, yeah. No, it's tough. It's tough. I told you, everyone in prison says. It's easy to get over that fence. It's hard to stay away. Like you can escape, but you can't get away. You, uh, you told us exactly. So before we start, here's a quick recap of the situation. And this is not going to be a football uh, podcast today. It is about the Kansas City Chiefs. So if you like fun stuff, like talking <laughs> about bank robbers with a bank robber, stick around. If you don't, well, I'm sorry. We'll have plenty of more football throughout the summer, but Xavier Babadar, a.k.a. Chiefsaholic, was a ubiquitous Kansas City Chiefs superfan who wore a wolf costume to every single game, both home and away. He also had a large social media presence and was known for making massive sports bets. So last winter, he missed the Texas game in Houston and went dark on Twitter. So that turned up everybody's antenna, uh, antenna signals. And it turns out he got arrested for robbing a bank in Tulsa on the way to that game. He ultimately was released on bail, cut his GPS ankle monitor, and went on the run for almost four months. He was caught last weekend in California after an intensive FBI investigation, and he was charged for more bank and credit union robberies, six successful ones and two aborted ones. That's basically where we are at today. He's in custody after this uh, interstate manhunt. There was a FBI special agent in Kansas City who had the whole thing up with about, I don't know, four or five other bureaus and the cooperation of law enforcement there in California. 
So let's dive into some questions, Joe, because I, sir, real quick, yeah, yeah. giving me the update. I have a couple questions because I couldn't find the answer. Maybe you have them. Yeah. Um, you said he got he has been subsequently charged with these six and two or whatever. So were those that he's charged with those that he is said to have committed before he went on the run? Are you saying these are ones that they think he robbed while he was on the run? Robbed before. He okay. was arrested in Oklahoma and we'll get to how they figured out that these okay. unsolved yeah, robberies okay. were, uh, were his. Yeah. It's actually kind of fascinating. And I think having you on to talk about the differences in the past, I don't know, 30 years or so in technology will be fascinating, but definitely want to take advantage of your expertise. So chief Saholic started with a note to a teller. That was his first robbery you know, walking in, handing them a note, taking the money. And he graduated to vaults and bigger scores. Is this the natural progression for a serial bank robber? Yeah, my first bank robbery was a note bank robbery too. I wrote about it and I performed one night show and I performed it. The, the problem with the note is when you hand them the note, what you're doing is you're taking their attention away from you. And what you want to do is you want to get in there, get the loot and get out as fast as possible. You don't, you don't want any anything to slow you down. And if your first one, your, your first one, you really don't know much. You've seen movies, whatever. And so you're trying to perfect your technique. But what you don't realize when you slide the note, immediately you give them something to look down at and no reason to look up. <laughs> so so my, the woman looked down at I'm laughing because it's comical now. It's, it could be in a, it's a movie scene, even though it's a very serious thing and she was traumatized. But she was very clever because she looked down and she wouldn't look up. And I... I realized she has the note. So I grabbed the note and I tried to pull it back and she just pulled it out herself. So we're doing this silly like tug of war with the note. Right. And then I finally realized she's not going to look up. She's not, she's not, I'm not getting her attention. So that's when I verbally said, I'm not messing around. And I, you know, I threatened to get the money and then she just started giving me the money. That was the, that was the last time I tried a note because the note, it just, it's a distraction. It takes too much time. So he probably figured out the same thing. Now, the other thing is because you want to get in and out, you're trying to get in and out because you don't really know all the things that are working against you. So first time you're in a bank or second time you're in a bank, third time you're in a bank, you just know you're trying to get the money, get it out and leave. And you don't really have a good sense for anything because you're so focused right here and you're just only, like just trying to make sure that you don't look too nervous and too scared. The more you do it, the more everything opens up for you and you realize, oh, I can do this. And not only that, once this woman leaned over to give one of the tellers some information while I was robbing this teller, and she realized what was going on, and I was like, oh, yeah, you too, give me the money. So I was able to rob two tellers at once. That um, is what happens over time where you just your vision opens up, time slows down, you become more confident, and eventually you're like, hey, you know, I can get in that vault because all I need to do is get a manager, get back there, because now you have confidence, you have more lay of the land, and like I said, it's like, it's like in anything, like if you're in a, like in sports, let's use sports. When you start playing, you're just interested. Like if you go out for a team, you're interested in grabbing the ball. Like when I played football for high school, grab the ball and hit that line. I know I'm supposed to go between the, you know, the tackle and the guard. And you're just trying to do the simple thing. And you don't really know how you, you don't have any savvy for the field yet because you're just trying to do the one thing you play over and you keep that play over and you do more and more and you see the field better. And you can start seeing who's coming. You know, it just, it just happens. Your, your eyes become expansive. And that's, that's what, you know, it's like sports or robbery. 
your orientation just broadens and you become a little more sophisticated in the reads, right? And so that's what that's what it is to be a bank robber. You start graduating. I went that's what happened to me. I went to Vault Sue. So but this guy was incredibly um I don't think I've ever known anyone in contemporary time who made as much money for robbing as few banks as he did. Like not it wasn't super prolific I robbed thirty banks. This guy made bank. Yeah. He was very brazen. And I think part of what you're saying, like sports, like anything else you learn to do, things slow down a little bit. Exactly. And he probably figured out, well, hey, the risk is the same whether I'm knocking off a teller or I'm grabbing a manager and taking them to the vault. So if the risk is the same, why don't I go for the upside of the vault? Exactly. And and that makes sense to me. And I guess once you've accepted the fact that you are a criminal and you're getting in trouble no matter what, once this ride ends, you might as well take it all the way, right? Plus you're there for the money. I mean, it's what you, it's what you like, that's brilliant. This, the summation you just made, you're going in there to terrorize them to get money. And you're thinking, why don't I just jack it so that I'm jack it up and, and terrorize them in the vault and get bigger money. You know, it's, it's very, it's very, it's very simple deduction that way. Now, the challenge here, like I could walk in and walk up to a manager and have him escort me to a vault because nobody knew what was going on. This guy walked in there. I'm a bank robber, like right from the gate. So immediately everyone's, everyone's up. So he was working with even less time than I had. And he was, but he was brazen. I mean, he was, which is, you know, bank robbery is a brazen thing. You And you, and if you have the requisite amount of, I don't care, no feel for posterity, Meaning, like, you're not thinking about growing up. And his childhood and everything, you know, he was he was shipwrecked before he was born. He was, like, just born into that family and homeless and, like, just really had it rough, right? So he doesn't have a fear. He wasn't raised thinking, hey, let me make some money. Let me invest in school. Let me go make some money. Let me put in a retirement. Like, we don't think like that. I think I explained that to you. He's not thinking of his 401K. Not at all. He doesn't have any feel for the future. And so everything is right now. It's impulse. It's let me spend money. And if you've been poor, then you like to have this money because now you can just you can you can spend so much money on hotels and easy living. Yeah. And gambling. Apparently he was a gambler. Twenty twenty thousand bets here and there, you know, just dabbling. You touched on something the way you used to go in, correct me if I'm wrong, is you didn't wear a mask. You didn't want to draw attention to yourself before you needed to. But I guess nowadays he thought that was necessary so he went in in a mask goggles gloves they actually use those things uh when they recovered them to match the photos from these robberies and you can see them now on screen what are the advantages of of his strategy and the disadvantages my disadvantages obviously he kept all that nonsense so I remember when I got arrested for bank robbery I called my brother immediately go to my I, I was in the I was in the holding cell I said Go to my uh, go to my um, my bedroom. Go in my closet and take all the clothes, off. <laughs> like, especially my trench coat, because I had this, there was this famous photo, like iconic photo of me walking out with a trench coat and a suit and everything. But yeah, it's the like, one on the the cover of your book, right? The cover of my book, yeah. So I was like, do that, get rid of that. But here's so here's so here's the interesting thing about him here. You can't really tell that it's him. So keeping the gear is what identifies him, and that. It has such okay. So let's just say bank robbery is to to succeed at it. You need you know big balls, and you need to just 
you know, be brazen. You got to go in there and you got to be fearless. You got to go do the thing. But it does not mean we're smart. And it does mean that we can be smart in certain ways, you know, the way you're, you're cat and mouse stuff with cops. But when you're keeping the gear, like I kept the gear, or like me, even like keeping my face, eventually once they found me, well, what are you going to do? Like a, like a Nick Cage, John Travolta face off kind of, kind of thing. You know, you, you only have one face, right? I know. What do I, so I, it's just, I, I was going to get caught and, um, and, and when I got caught, they were going to be able to identify me for a bunch of things, but there's a way in which I was able to get away with it with a little trickery later, but and that's a whole other conversation. It, I've heard there. about this. You had like a, a stunt double who started yeah, robbing banks, right? One inch shorter than me. I took somebody to rob when I was on bail. I took somebody to rob who used my MO, but when the FBI could see them at the counter, they were four inches shorter than me. So it, all, when the when the when they took the, the six, six pack of photos to the, the women who had just been robbed, they both identified me. And that's why the FBI thought for sure I did. And I was like, I wasn't in that bank. And so they ended up, um, they ended up uh, letting that letting that ride. But then what that meant was all these other things that they had, all these other bank robbers they had on me. I had a, I had a double out there, and so they were they were they had to drop a bunch, and they scrambled and they said, "Please go to these three. And I said, "Okay, I will." Out of the thirty, but all that to say, this guy actually the disguise is great. The disguise is great, but he was supposed to get rid of all the stuff when he was done. Yeah. He kept it looked like he switched it up from every bank robbery. He looked different every time, but I've seen him wear goggles like that on his Twitter page at, at you know events or whatnot. And what you're saying, I think, is once you do a, a job in a certain set of gear, burn it, trash it, get yeah, rid of it because it is at that point it's evidence. Yeah, they, they link you to it. They're like, hey, look, at because he, what he's going to say is you can't prove that's me. And there's like, you're right. We can't prove it's your face. We don't have your, your prints. But anybody who is on a jury, if you want to take it to trial, if you want to be dumb enough to take it to trial, they're going to bring all these things up and identify. And like, they're, what they're going to do is they're going to have the, the gloves there, and then they're going to have the photo, and they're going to have a line from this glove to that hand, this glove to that, and they're just going to show one photo after another, goggles, jackets, whatever. And so those might as well have had fingerprints, might as well have DNA. He's going to be in trouble. He's not going to well, win. Let me interrupt you here because they did have DNA. Oh. And, and how, how forensics handled that was they found – a few things in the woods, I believe something like a glove in, in one location, something like a mask in another. And what they did was does the DNA match? Okay. Because, so you're saying one of the gloves that was used in a crime, he left it behind somewhere. Yeah. He left a few things in the woods because there were a few, a few times where he seemed to be frantic. There was another time where uh, there was a dye pack that exploded. We will get to that. I had that too. That didn't it, explode. <laughs> But he had, um, so he had left some things behind and they matched those to, and at that point they didn't know who the person was, but they knew that the same they person DNA. did. They had the DNA. And, Once they found it, they could match that. Exactly. And this is how they got him was the FBI investigation used historical cellular device location uh, data. And so not only that, like he happened to be in Iowa or Nebraska in this exact area on this tower uh, minutes within this robbery. Wait, 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 wait. This yeah. is how they, 
once they cap- captured him and they said this is our suspect, the, I, the, 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 the DNA matches, then they have his phone because they arrested him. They have his phone. Then they were able to see from his phone where he'd been traveling. This was right. after the fact. This wasn't how they caught him. No, was- no. Well, I don't know if it's how they caught him or, or not. They didn't say, they didn't say exactly they how they caught him. his phone to catch him. Well, they, okay. Well, that might've been the case, but what they did was because he had a burner, but it was, it was from, so he, he didn't have much information when he got it. It was just a T-Mobile, uh, one of those pay as you go phones, which was smart, I think. Yeah. But where he made the mistake is when he signed up for Gmail, he, he left a phone number uh, with at one of the casinos, he left a phone number. And then there were people that knew him, I think notably a young woman he met at a game who got his phone number and they all corroborated that that was his number. And also they had this same, they didn't just have this cell phone at the bank locations. They also had it when he went to the Indianapolis Colts game, when he went to the Arizona Cardinals game, the chiefs were on the road. So they have this pattern. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, that's when he was dead. So I would say my question to you was how has advanced technology and forensics made robbing banks harder? Because none of this stuff was really around back in your heyday. Yeah, no, I was, I was caught with a transmitter the money, which was a new, this was an 89. This was a new technology that migrated um, to. Is that like uh, no country for old men, that kind of thing? Have you seen that? Yeah, well, it's really his. I don't. Yeah, I did see. I've seen it a bunch. Which which one are you talking about? But there, there's a little device. Yeah, that big, that, yeah, something like that. But but it was more like a coin, right? And they put in the money. And because I had gone a die pack once, which is just like this. It's almost like it's glued together. You can't you can't bend it. It's like a little brick of money. And because inside is the little the um, the diodes and the transformer and the, all this stuff has to be in the mice. So they need to carve it out and put it all in there. So it's a thick thing of money. You get excited when you see it, you just put it in the bag. But I realized when I took it home and it didn't explode and I had to, I was able to look at it. I was like, Jesus. So it was thick. And I realized from here on out, I'm going to get money and I'm going to flip it and bend it and see if I can do it. What the transmitter allowed was they put it in the middle of the money and you could bend it and, and check the money and the transmitter stayed in the middle. It was just wrapped with a bunch of um, rubber bands tight. So I pulled one of those. I was a sixth person in California to get it. And they, they were able to triangulate me. You know, it's like every cop car, if it's the things ahead or if it's on the side or if it's behind you, it lets you know. And helicopters had it. And they were able to just to figure out where it was. They got me that way. And while Damn. I was inside, I remember Timothy McVeigh. Um, Timothy McVeigh blew up the Al- Alfred P. Alfred T or Alfred P. Moore building in Oklahoma. And one of the ways they caught him is they use all these ATMs to see where he, what direction he was driving away. And they caught eight, they got cameras on the side of buildings, surveillance cameras, cameras inside stores, like 7-Elevens to see people driving by. Like they were just capturing and off ATMs, in fact, cameras off the ATMs. And I'm in prison thinking, man, when we get out to rob is going to be so crazy to get away with anything, you know, like this is, and this is the point where I'm still a thief. And then you come out now you have, um, you have um, phones and, but the biggest issue now, if you're a criminal is everybody has a camera. So like, not only do you get caught inside from surveillance cameras, anybody in there conservatively be like mm, trying to film you. And then, right. 
And then also, if you're trying to get away and you're running fast your car, like one, a couple of times I was running fast in my car, people knew something was going on because people down the street are chasing me. But they but didn't have an iPhone to say, look at this dude. This, now you see, you, you see that all the time. People are kind of, oh, they immediately have it. And so you're, you have to, you know, to get away, you have to go through a gauntlet of cameras that aren't only, you know, surveillance cameras on surveillance cameras and buildings or now people have. And also um, the technology of what we're talking. I have a friend who um, he, he, he works in, in the, defending uh gang members and one of the things that always came up is these guys would have phones at the scene of the crime and they would say no i wasn't 400 miles away that wasn't me and then their phone 400 miles away that night they got bing bing from from a tower right by there where they never are but it's out in the middle of nowhere right so the phones give you up and there's crimes where this one guy he killed somebody and uh, he said, I came home, my wife was in the kitchen, I went to the car, and then she, I came in, she was beat up, somebody bludgeoned her while I was out of the car, and I called the police immediately. Well, it turns out that his Fitbit was tracking his, his heart rate, how much time he said, I came in at 420, but he actually uh, showed that he had... His, it, it was tracking him so it showed he had all these steps at a certain time and then there was no steps but his heartbeat went up and then there was more steps and more steps and like oh man you were able to track and say you're a lying second shit you weren't in the house only five ten minutes or there you were in there for a longer time and there was this moment where your heartbeat went crazy and that was when he was bludgeoning in her so okay, yeah, like fitbit gave him up yeah if you wear a fitbit to rob somebody I mean, it's like if if in the fugitive, the one armed man wore, had a Fitbit, it would have been a, 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 a you know five minute movie, right? It's a five minute movie. But I but the point is that there's all this technology now. You have to be super super savvy because the, 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 you know what you want to do ideally is you're coming. I'm telling you how to do it, but certainly because I I make I write crime stories and I'm making crime shows, and as I think about like what do I want to do that's realistic. I'm constantly having the criminals who I want to be semi-intelligent think of how they could use the the things that are against them to their advantage. Like if in fact you rely so heavily on somebody's Fitbit, well, wouldn't it be great if you put your Fitbit on somebody else and had them do all these things? And then when they got it, it showed this other read and they really believe the Fitbit gives all the answers. And then all of a sudden you have an alibi. So there's a digital alibis is a, I'm actually working on a TV show that I'm creating right now based on, people giving people digital alibis so but this is this is this is what what where we are now where this in this digital age and with everyone with cameras committing crimes is is all right you're going to get busted i mean you don't you have so much to go against you going against you you can't be holding up to holding on to evidence because <laughs> yeah you just can't. i think he was cognizant of the the phone thing because that's why he wore he wore mask and whatnot one of the other craziest things about this story to me is that Xavier laundered close to a million bucks in stolen cash through casinos, mm-hmm. which to me takes an incredible amount of hubris. Uh, but I guess if you are a bank robber uh, and you're, you're saying you manage warehouses and you're trying to just act like this is business as usual and you're a baller and there's nothing wrong with this, you just go in, do it, act like it's not a problem, right? This is what got him busted too. Okay, so he spends all his 
one of the things he does is he has these cage accounts where they're presumably imagine he goes with his money and says this i got i got a lot of cash i don't want to get robbed here and he goes in he puts all his cash in that cage and they give him some chips to play with and stuff i give him a little limit and then when he goes to withdraw money it's cleaned it's he gets you know he brings back the chips says can i get all my money now but they probably hand him a check right they're not handing him the cash right there. There's some places that only give you cash. Like if you have okay. an online, like if you're an online gamer, a gambler, and you want to go and cash out, they don't give you a check. They give you cash. So like there's, so yeah, the point is that he is getting, he's opening up these accounts and you could keep the money there as long as you want. It's like, there's no, you have to check it out at the end of the day kind of thing. Right. So he's holding money. The problem with that, and this is how he gets caught, he's near in Lincoln, Sacramento, in Lincoln, California, near the Thunder Valley Casino. All they have to do now is go look for casinos that have, yeah, because they just have to track them down at casinos. It's, it reminds me of there was this, there was these two guys who stole, who had kidnapped Steve Wynn's daughter, in in and and uh, in Las Vegas. The casino tycoon, right? The casino tycoon. They, they kidnap his daughter and they call him and say, we know you have access to $3 million. Like right now, you don't have to check with the board. We need $3 million and bring it the money yourself and don't fuck around or we'll kill her. And these are hardcore criminals. They knew what they were doing. They thought about it. They planned it. And you know what C1 is like, don't, don't worry, I'm not calling the cops. And he doesn't. You get people get pissed off of him later. The cops are pissed, but he doesn't. He get he said, but I can't do three million. I've already actually taken a half, million and a half out of it. I can go bring a million and a half to you right now in cash. And they're like, fine, come on, bring it. He takes it, drop. They get his wife. The, they give him up his daughter. He, they get the cash, but they do it some drop thing. And as they're leaving in a cab, they both one of them talks about how he was excited to go pick up his. Lamborghini, I think, something like that. So these guys get away. Clean getaway. Nobody knows where they are. They get in a plane and they leave. Well, they go to they go and they find out the FBI comes and they they start their investigation. They talk to this cab driver, pick them up, and he says, Oh yeah, one of them's gonna get a Lamborghini. So what do they do? They go to all the Lamborghini um all the places where you can buy a Lamborghini in the country, which aren't that many at the time. This was 30 years ago. And they find out that sure enough, somebody plans on picking up a Lamborghini in Newport Beach. So they just wait at Newport Beach on Monday for these guys to come to pick up the Lamborghini from because they were talking out of turn and they were they identified that they were about the Lamborghini. Well, this guy's about casinos. They're gonna bust you if you're staying at the casino. Remember you guys were talking about what you have to do to if you're on a yeah. run? You cannot do anything that is your old habits and this is why we will get caught yeah because we are not as much as we are brazen about going and taking stuff taking stuff is one of the oldest things in the book in human history taking thing is not novel taking things is what human beings i mean animal kingdom does it all the time it's called kleptoparasitism one animal takes down an animal and then other group of animals come and take that from them we take things that's what nature does so we're not innovators we're just taking and strong arm and doing what we want. To get away, you have to innovate, which means you have to change all your habits. You have to be utterly uncomfortable. 
I mean, we're not good at that. Most people are not good at completely changing it, which is why so few people change their lives. Right. My uh, favorite author growing up was Elmore Leonard, and he always said that he wrote criminals generally uh, kind of naive and stupid because there's no school for, for crime. If you want to be a lawyer, you go to law, uh, law school. If you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school. There, I mean, if you want to be a school for crime, it's prison. <laughs> well, you, you have to get in trouble first, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're right. You have the, the enrollment to get to enroll. You have to commit a stupid crime. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? There's, there's sort of a more of a obvious pathway. You know, you want to be a welder or a plumber or whatever, whatever vocation. Uh, some families, there are some crime families that that's probably as close as you get. Cause when you're little, you grow up learning a lot about, you know, being being a scofflaw, breaking the law. But yeah, I mean, there is no real, there is no real school for it. And in fact, my friend who worked with these gang members and I, you know, worked with him on some of these cases, you know, it's just, we're just knuckleheads, man. We're angry. We're desperate. We're confused. We're, we're really, really full of rage. And, and we want to act out. And most criminals, I don't know if this guy, this guy I don't think was in a, was he, was he in the drugs or was it just the adrenaline like me? Uh, I, what do they we say? haven't heard anything about him being in, into drugs. So I would say. Yeah. But the casino thing, right? So this is it. This is is that, it. Is that, was he into casinos or did he watch movies like Hell or High Water where they cleanse the chips, where they kind of launder the money by going in, making some bets, hanging out for a few hours, maybe overnight, you cash the chips back. Maybe he just thought this is the way to do it, but he had so much money, and you mentioned this before. I mean, one job alone was over three hundred thousand uh, dollars. He put some of this after laundering it, and some even before, into a savings account. And this money sometimes is is sequential, right? They're they're tracking this money, cash. Yeah, so yeah. shows up. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like. I mean, he's putting stolen money back into a bank is also risky because for what you say, they don't, they don't have all the money. They don't do all the money. And in a group of money, you'll have a bill in the money that they might. But even then, it's, just, it's, it's, it's hard to track. Fresh money is easy to track. Like when I robbed a vault and it was all these fresh bills, sequential bills, and they were still wrapped in the plastic and it was a thousand fives, you know, that was like, and they're, you know, it's pressed together. It's about this big, but uh, those are obviously those are they know the numbers to all of those, and that's an easy call. But to take it to the bank, to, to that's I don't know, that's wild. But the thing is, the back back to it, what I was saying about the the casino. All right, back to your question. Who knows what he watched? Um, who knows who knows what he watched? But I do know one thing. Criminals love to watch crime movies so they can mimic and imitate this, right? Um, and that's why when I remember when I was arrested, I had I had a bunch of DVDs and or not DVDs uh, videos that I that I um, that I had Heat and well not not even Heat but like Goodfellas, Scarface, you know all the God uh, the Godfathers and all those kinds of movies where you have them because you're like learning how to be, this is, this is, 
the, the, you, didn't, you didn't get the moral of the story, though. I mean, you know, Tony Montana dies. Like, no, uh, no, no more. Well, we're not. That's not the lesson we're getting. We're, yeah, we're getting and, and Goodfellas, like, he goes into witness protection, and but what he, we're looking, what we're looking for is the glamour of it, and we're also looking for the argo, the the underworld language, the way to talk, the way to carry yourself, which is. Which is why when I when I went to prison, I started asking my friends which which DVD or which you know which which things did you have? What did you watch? We all had the same top ten crime movies, right? We all had them in our thing, and now I feel like, especially bank robbery, um, there's there's movies that tell you how some people do it in the movies, and I feel like people are getting ideas about that too. But it's also like How the High Water was such a tragic movie. Yeah, it it shows it shows this, and one of the things I liked about it, one it was great, uh, the characters and the acting. But what I loved about it was it gets to this, it gets to me. We're all going to get caught. The FBI has such a great high record of uh, catching all the percentage of catching us, right? We, we're we're addicted. We become addicted to it. It's easy money. We get to marry our rage with our with our greed, and we go in there and we get all this money by terrorizing people. Um, and just becomes it's the easiest way to make money. The other thing about it is, unlike making money, a lot of money doing drugs, in a drug deal, you have somebody in front of you and somebody behind you. You've got to buy it for something, and then you got to sell it to somebody. This one is just you and your wits running in there and your, you know, and your, uh, and your, your terror. You, know, you just run in there, tell people what you want them to do. They give you what you need, and you're gone. And there is no – the only person in front of you is somebody who you can boss around and get everything you, you want from them because the FBI tell them to give it to you. But that's another reason why someone, some guys like us do this, but then we're destined to be caught because that's our hit. That's our thing. Yeah. And it, and, and I told you, they know it. They know it. And that's easy. The other thing too, this story is not just a bank robber story. This is a escape story. You know, this is a story of like trying to get away being a fugitive. Fuck. It sucks. It's hard. It's not glamorous. Um, and then you end up doing what he did, hanging out at casinos. It was only a matter of time. How did he get? Who? How do well, we that, know how he got arrested? Who did somebody give him up or how did I, I read the thirty-one page FBI dossier, and and I still do not know exactly what led to his, what precisely led to his arrest. I want to touch on. I really like Heller Highwater too. And what I like about it is it doesn't condone this behavior. In fact, I think it looks down on it. But what it does do is it takes a look at the human condition and the desperation, you know, the the uh, economic desperation, the the just lack of potential avenues that cause people to turn to this lifestyle. Absolutely. And again, it's not condoning it, no. but it does showcase how you could get in the mindset uh, set or situation where you would even consider something like this because today i was thinking about this podcast we were we're gonna do today and i drove by a credit union here in alabama and i just thought i i I would never do this i could never walk into that bank and and have a gun and risk the rest of my future i just i've never considered it for a moment in my life even though i've seen all the movies and everything but that's because my situation was good enough where I never even had yeah, to consider. Yeah, yeah, you can't you can't fathom that. Well, yeah, I mean, Hell High Water is a good movie for a bunch of reasons, but one of them too is that it it, it, it demonstrates or personifies that I that what I'm telling you is like 
the one brother who had been in prison who was, you know, the, 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 the really troubled guy, he had no feel for the future. He, wanted, he, he didn't care. Let's just go do this. And any danger element of it, he thrived on. I had a friend when I was in prison, my best friend, my road dog. And we were there and they were talk, I was talking about when we get out, let's go rob banks. I'll take you with me. We can really make a lot of money. And, um, and he was one of those prisoners and one of those guys who, had, I mean, when I say no feel for posterity, this, he personified that he didn't care at all about a, a future life. Not at all. So his thing was he just wanted to live for the adrenaline rush of life. So I'm telling him, here's what we'll do. We'll do these things. And then he's like, hey, you know what we could do too? Like we can make it so that in my motorcycle, the cops get close and then we get away. I'm like, no, <laughs> what are you thinking about? We don't want him anywhere near us. But he loved the danger element, the risk, the adrenaline. And he wanted them near us. And this is one of the things that the movie also shows how clumsy robberies are. Like we, we're accustomed to, and he did that too. Like things can go awry quick. They're not always slick, right? They, they try to make them slick, and so they're not. Most of the time, there there's a lot of clumsiness. You're lucky a lot of times to get away with the things you get away. I had an exploding die pack blew up on me, not up on me, it blew out of my hands. And when I went and reached down for it, I, the, the tear gas also hit me, but I was able to grab it, put it in a bag, and take off, and then throw it in a in a sports bag in the back of my car and take off. And I didn't go blind, but I was near almost blinded by that that tear gas. That that's a great scene in a movie. It's, it's totally right. cinematic, but it shows, it also shows that as, as, as lucky as I was in terms of numbers to get to 30 banks, many of those banks, I almost didn't make, I you know, almost got caught for, for a lot of goofy, clumsy things that happened like that. Um, so that's what I liked about how, how water, they were not always slick bank. They were just barely getting away by the skin of their teeth. And, um, but also, like you said, the tragedy of the people who do this, for the most part, they're for the most part people who, who rob banks are drug addicts, you know, or they're they they have problems with substances, and so they are typically robbing to go get drugs, so you know, to to subsidize their habit. They need the money to subsidize their habit, and these people who who are robbing this way, they urgently have to get it. So they they might have antennas say this might be dangerous, might be dangerous. But they have to do it because they're in their mind, they're doing the calculus. I got to get this money. Then I got to go cop. Then I got to go get a room. Then I got like whatever. And they're not, yeah. they're not clear headed, right? They're whereas not -headed, and whereas maybe desperate, even more desperate. Yeah. This guy can at least see a lot of the angles. I mean, if you are addicted to some kind of hardcore substance, uh, you're, you're going to be impaired during what is already, uh, it seems like one of these scenarios where, you have an adrenaline dump. There's countless things that could happen that you wouldn't even consider before you start doing it. Uh, I just can't even imagine. We're going to talk about your die pack, but before you do, we need a short advertiser break. Hey, addicts, you want to get swagged out? Well, we've got you covered. The Arrowhead Addict merch store is live and you can visit right now by clicking the link in the description below. We've got everything from shirts to hoodies to baby onesies and even a sweet pint glass to you to drink. Uh, yeah, our good friends at KC Beer, perfect receptacle for uh, the best beer in Kansas City. But hey, that's not all. We've also got a promo code for this week's listeners. Use code ADDICT15 to get 15% off your order today and make sure to use that fast because it will expire by Sunday. 
So rep our pod. We need all the help we can get to get out there and save a bit of money while you do it. We truly appreciate you guys. Let's get back into it, Joe. Thanks for your patience there. So Chief Saholic stole 170 grand in Omaha. And then when he was running in the woods, he had a dye pack explode, red ink every, everywhere. And he had to leave it. They, they, um, they found the money. Authorities found the money in the woods. Uh, it was obviously tainted. I want to hear more about that because you're right. It does sound extremely cinematic. And we haven't seen, we hear about dye packs a lot in movies and TV shows, but we haven't seen that a lot. Yeah, so like, well, let's just start with the dye pack. Like, I'll, I'll describe it a little bit better this time. The dye pack is a little PC board, and you have diodes and resistors in it connected to a little tiny transformer, and then two sacks there of tear gas and also the dye. And then when you get 20 feet out of the bank, boom, it blows up. Mine I grabbed and put it into a backpack. So when I stepped out in the is middle that because of the, you saw it when you were in the bank? No, you noticed. I would, it. I would, I would put my backpack on the counter, and uh-huh. they, would, they would give me the money. I would just slide it right in, right? Okay. And so then I zip it up, walk out, and you know, you know, what backpacks and material are made out of. You know that I don't even know what what it is, but you is know, it nylon durable. or like, durable, like is that nylon or whatever? All the different things they put in it, but it's the synthetic fabric, and and it's pretty durable, but. <laughs> It blew a hole in it like that. It Damn. just blew out of my hands. And at first I thought somebody shot at it. And when it fell to the to the pavement in the middle of the street, I looked down and there's this big plume of red smoke coming out of that big hole in it. <laughs> now, there was a guy when I'm in prison, I heard about this. He gets a dye pack and he shoves it, or he gets some money and he shoves it in his in his in down the front of his pants. And when he oh. gets out of the bank, it blows off his left nut, right? Oh, so, I know, I know, I know. So when he finally wakes up in the hospital and he's like, he's, sorry, man, you lost your testicle. He sues the bank. For, he sued the bank for this dye pack. Anyway, that's a whole other story. It's a crazy story. I'm guessing he did not win that lawsuit. <laughs> no, he did not. He was a loser in many ways. But in this regard, the, the dye pack, I realized when I see the smoke is, oh, shit, dye pack. Is that's the smoke coming out of it. And then I reached down for it because I, when I hear dye pack, we all hear dye pack. We never hear tear gas. So I had no clue. There's also tear gas here. So when I reached down to get a boom, I'm just, like I said, but my cat like reflexes saved me so that I was able to get away without it, like taking a real intensive, but it took enough. So my eyes are blinking, 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 blinking. Right. But I have enough. Where were that could blow fingers off? Right. What? That could blow fingers off if your hand was right there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're holding it, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so I grabbed the bag because it was in the bag. You see, he the reason you had to leave it behind is because it was, I don't know, who, who knows where he had it. But he didn't want, like me, I didn't mind carrying it and, and running down the street to my car you know, a block away. I didn't mind running with it with a big plume of smoke behind me because I knew I was going to get to my car, get away, but I didn't want to leave it behind because I thought fingerprints. So I, I leave, put it, like I said, I get to my car, open the trunk, grab a big sports bag, throw it in the sports bag, zip it up, close it, and then get in the car and drive away. He leaves it behind for the reason I didn't leave it behind. He left it behind and he lays fingerprints on Or You're saying he left fingerprints on he, No, he wore a glove. Um, he wore gloves each time. But what he did over he these various... He left a glove. He left a glove and he left a ski mask. 
And it might've just been a couple things, but they matched the DNA. So it was one of the things that helped them establish that, that pattern. Yeah. And this die pack situation obviously pissed him off because in November, I forget which bank it was, but he told the employees, if you give me a die pack, I will come back and put a hole in your head. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not only did he kind of learn on the job, he got, he got more intense because at the end there was also another situation where he actually put a firearm to an employee's ribs. So I think this, I don't know if it's his, his confidence, his arrogance, his rage, things just kind of escalated as these incidents went along. Remember too, what I was telling you earlier is as things evolve and you realize I'm, I'm here to do one thing to get the money. And what, what happens is you realize there's different techniques you can use to make people give it to you faster. Like when I put a note down, I delayed it because I allowed her to look down at it and not have to look up. And so the same thing goes the other way. The better you get at this, you realize I don't really have to say much if I just put a gun in her ribs. There's no language that will supersede a gun in the ribs in terms of like getting someone's attention and also demonstrating you're serious. Like if I'm there and I had to threaten, I had to use language and then I also had to continue to control, you know, like don't fuck around. I told you I'm not messing around. Like I had to, I had to keep her, I had to keep. Is there some kind of balance to that? Because I, I'd figure if you're too meek, you won't be credible. But if, if you're if, if you're too out of control, uh, you might escalate something, so, uh, especially in the age of open carry. Right. You don't want some hero uh, to pull out his, his Glock and take you out right there. That's right? I was um, two things. Uh, the person that I was. I, when I was on bail, I, I had somebody rob and I gave him my M.O. But the first time I took him to a bank. Um, he, he runs in the bank and then he comes running out and he comes to the car and we take up, he's all excited. He's all breathing heavy, not excited. He's breathing heavy and it's a getaway. And I know this getaway. I've been doing them, you know, I know these banks and, uh, we finally get away and I'm like, how much you get? He said, oh, I didn't get anything. She told me no. Oh. <laughs> oh man. I was so angry because I had respected this person a little bit when I was younger and they weren't much older than me, but they had been, you know, super athletic and, and sort of like for high school had been violent and stuff. So I actually had once been afraid of this person. And now this person comes out of the bank and they told him, no, that's meek, right? So I told him, I said, listen, I said, this is what you have to do. You have to go in there. Like if these people in that bank went to your house last night where you were asleep, they walked upstairs, they got your pants hanging over the chair, they took it off, they grabbed your wallet, they took all your money, that money in there is yours. You fucking go and take that money and you don't, you have all more authority on your side. They got your money. And he's like, I, that was my pump up to him, right? And so le years later, when I'm working and consulting on Baby Driver, um, based on that, situation there's a point where hey, jamie fox they're all getting ready to go in the bank and that's his pep talk he's like because you know i worked with edgar on this because i was so angry and so disappointed that he had no nuts enough to bring any kind of intensity or anything to it like how do you go rob a bank like i don't know what he did but 
they told him no. We're like, get, 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 we don't take you seriously. He didn't have a gun, none of that stuff. And he didn't know how to do it. So, well, it's kind of, you, you mentioned Jamie Foxx. It's kind of acting in a way. It is, it's performance. And this is what I'm telling you, he figured out. Um, uh, um, Bubakar, what's his name? I'm sorry, it's, it's uh, our, our guy. What's his Zay last name? Babadar. Babadar. He, um, he figured out putting a gun to somebody's ribs, you know, forces, gives them clarity, instant clarity, that one, you're serious, and two, they're in danger, and three, they better give it up quick. They got to just do it fast. And they will at that be, at that point. You turn people, you turn good people, and I hate to say it. This is what you know. One of my regrets. You turn, and this is what I intended to do. So I'm, uh, that's why I'm talking about it. I intended to turn people into automatons who just now follow my orders. Don't give me pushback. Give me the big bills first, you know, and that kind of thing. Open the drawer, give me, like that kind of thing. And that's what he was doing. He was just doing that. And that's the thing about this kinds of crime. You know, again, not glorifying it because it's really humans treating other people, other humans terribly to get what we want for our own selfish needs. But he, to, to do this job, you you have to turn people into chess pieces. You have to turn them completely into abstractions. Like you don't care that they have family at home. You, you don't dehumanize care that they them, them, right? You don't need to dehumanize them because all you need is from here to there and then you get the money and you leave. And so... How do you move these chess pieces most quickly? It turns out in the world, and this is just one of the sad facts, is people respond to violence. People respond to a lot of things like, like even when I came out and changed my life, and I did never wanted people organize their life around my moods ever again. It was one of my big regrets. I told you last time. It was the only time that I, I cried in my podcast was when they interviewed one of the women that I, I had robbed. I felt so terrible. I still, I, it's one of the biggest regrets I had when I changed my life. So, you know, I, I feel really terrible about that. That said, uh, I was saying something, I'm sorry. I was saying something about turning them into automatons. Oh, so you go in there and you know, you have to make them do what you want. And, yeah, I guess I said already. They're, they're, you, Your friend, I want to hit on that really quick because I think most of us would have done the same thing. I mean, when you're a young person- Would have done what? Well, when you're a young person, going up and asking a guy or a girl out, I mean, that takes courage. Yeah. A lot of us are scared to do that and we don't do that with much confidence. When you're going into a bank, presumably with a weapon, but if he didn't have a weapon, he had to be even more forceful- yeah, and he just he just didn't have uh, he just didn't have it in him. And at the time, you saw that as meekness, but wasn't he just maybe too well adjusted yeah. for this, what, this line of work? Say. That's what I'm going to say is like that's exactly right. He he didn't have the performance component of it, and he just didn't. There was two robberies, and I was like, okay, this. So you have to be a little bit of a De, uh, De Niro, is what you're saying? Yeah, you have to be a De Niro, and you have to be. You know, you have to have, you just got to be a performer. You And you also, you have to have desperation, you know, and. You mentioned rage a lot. Yeah, you said something like requisite rage, rage right? Yeah, because, you know, like someone, someone who's been poor and maybe raised around a lot of people who have money, it mocks you. Your poverty mocks you. And so you grow up with all these insecurities about being poor. 
And so when you grow up angry at the system, at the world, at, your, at the universe for giving you these pathetic parents, whatever, you, you have this rage now and it coalesces and you realize, I want what they have. And if you covet what they have, as opposed to envy, a lot of people have envy. Oh, I wish I could have a nice car. I wish I could have a... And they go out and get it. They go out and get They work hard. They get a car. They get a house, whatever. But covet is, I like what you have, and I want what you have right there. Not envy, which is, oh, you have a nice house. I wish I had a nice house. Covet is, I want your house. <laughs> I want your car. It's really nice. You're enjoying it. I want what you have. And we end up becoming covetousness. Like We end up coveting these things. We want money. We want to go get the money that somebody has. It's not ours. We want to go take it. And so a lot of people start off this. I'd be interested to find out what little crimes he started off to get to where he is. Nobody just goes straight to bank robbery. Yeah, he has, a, he has a sheet. He has a sheet. And his, my understanding of the situation was that his mother was a thief, like a petty thief. And she kind of brought him and his brother up to kind of join the family business, for lack of a better way to say it. So I don't know if he ever really had a choice. Again, I'm not condoning this. Mm -hmm. uh, he took it to 10 more levels, not just one. But he was kind of, as a teenager, it seems, forced into, into this line of work. And I want to look at him as a criminal and get your opinion uh, kind of a, as a way to wrap all this up. So Chief Zaholic aborted a robbery because there was nothing but low denomination bills in the vault. <laughs> that seems smart to me. He also stole over 300000 during another heist. That seems impressive to me. But the time he got busted, he went in to do the Tulsa job. He had, he had a fucking BB gun. And then he tried to escape on a bike, on a bicycle. And they got him on the, on the bicycle. That seems dumb to me. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. So is this a smart criminal who slipped up or a dumb criminal who got lucky or somewhere in between? No, no, it's, no, it's not. It's just like, so just look at it this way, right? He's a human. Like a lot of us have really great intelligence in certain areas of our life and very savvy and we, we can achieve all these successes in sports and at work and this and that. But when it comes to interpersonal relationships, we, we suck. Or the opposite. We might be really good at interpersonal relationships family, but we suck in terms of finances and work. And we, only, and we never, we're always poor. Like, people are wo wobbly like that. There's no, like, we have this a, idea that if you're, you're, you're really, you're, you're co we grow cohesively. I don't think that's how it is. I think it's like, remember the old stereos where you would play stereos and, and there would be all these things, these lines moving up for different types of sound, all these, it would just. Yeah, like the, the equalizer or whatever, equalizer, right? right? And it's just, you just see them all going as you're playing the music and none of them are, the, none, it's just not, it's not doing this. It's just that. And I feel like that's how we are in terms of our skill sets. Like a lot of us, we have high skill sets and then low skill sets. And so he was good at being able to go and do the thing which is go in, get the thing, get it done, persuade him, get the money, get out. He was dumb at the after part. Like I said, I've known guys who got out of prison, slipped under the gate, whatever. They go down the road and they're busted. They spent all this great time to get out of the prison and they had no escape plan, away, you know, how to get away from it. And so they just get, they're just walking down the street like, oh, I got away. I got, I left the prison. So, 
savvy and ballsy to do the thing, but not the after, like not thinking, nothing in it through afterwards. And so there's also this element of if you don't care and if you also have great confidence in your ability to do things, you hype yourself into thinking, I'll figure it out. Because inside you're figuring things out and you're, you're doing the dance and you're getting away with all this money. You have confidence, like I can figure things out. When you get on a bike, it limits the things that you can do to figure shit out. Like uh, yeah. way fast or whatever, right? I, I know you used to say that you would park a little ways away so you, because you were kind of fast when you were young, right? Yeah, yeah, so right. you could just book ass to your car and you'd be far enough where nobody yeah, could see the license plate. Yeah, and I'm thinking maybe that's what he was doing, but I, I don't know. It seems like it would have been better for him just to be on foot. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So uh, he's just, he, he's another bank robber who realized like Willie, uh, what's the name? The guy who said, they asked him, why'd you rob banks? That's where the money is. Um, he, 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 he figured out what we all figure out. That's, there's a lot of money there. They, they're able to give, he heard what I heard, which is they have to give up the money. So you go in there and you do it. But our lives conspire against us and our imaginations about wh- how invincible we are, whatever. I did 30. I still got busted. I should have quit earlier. And people are like, why didn't you? Like, I didn't care. And I trusted I would get away with it. And I just didn't care. And you try not to think about the future because then it'll just, it'll. He had a million bucks. That's a lot of money, you know? I, yeah. And you know what? He's going to go to prison. He's going to look, be looked up to because bank robbery is a still respectable crime in there. Um, because it's violent and you were getting money, but he's also going to be, he's going to be dogged. They will laugh at him for this exact reason. A bike, like you were riding a bike. What and, and a BB gun. And it seemed like he almost kind of devolved or something because it's before that he was sort of on the upswing. He went from a note to a teller to the vault to bigger amounts to being more forceful with his weapon and his words to his last job. He just kind of fumbles the bag, literally. Yeah, no kidding. But also I think there's a lot of things that could be at play that we're not, that we're not aware of. For example, to me, what it sounds like feels like is that he was in a desperate place and he was like, I need to do this bank, right? But he wasn't prepared. He didn't have all the things he had before. And like, remember I told you like somebody who was using drugs, like, they have to go do this thing. And so they don't prepare for it. They don't do, you know, they don't survey around, see if there's a cop having a donut around the corner. They don't care. They just got to go in and because they're desperate. And it could have been that the circumstance he was in, I'm not saying the drugs, but I'm just saying circumstances he was in, he felt like I need to go sell yeah. his money. He's losing money. Who knows what, where the money was, but, or what he felt, but, um, what is something story-wise if, if somebody told him to go rob this bank, they found out what he was doing. And that, I mean, this would be a great story. If somebody says, you got, now I know you're a bank robber. You got to go rob this for me. And he was just panicked and he just fucking did it. And that was it. Like, that's what, that's what I would make of that. Is that not that somebody made him do it, but it wasn't his normal modus operandi. He wasn't as prepared. He, he didn't have a gun with him. So he gets a BB gun, like whatever. That's. Is. I just listen to all this and think about a year, maybe longer, because there could still be unsolved robberies out there. 
this just wore on him, the stress, the anxiety, yeah. have, having to live a double life because he really did. He was this super fan character who claimed to have worked hard in college, worked his way up to be a warehouse manager, which was complete bullshit. You know, he didn't have, he had a very uh, scarce work history, income history, but keeping that up and going through this time and time again, I think it would just wear you down a little bit. Also, he's living a lie, like not, not a double life, a triple life, because he has to lie to everybody about not that he can't tell anyone he's a criminal that robbing banks, but he also can't tell anyone who he really is, which is he doesn't have that narrative. He wasn't a guy who went to college. He didn't have a job. He didn't, he didn't have these warehouses. He's a fake. And so because he's a fraud, um, He's, it's conceivable that him being a fraud, he he needed to go do something that was that was significant. So at least he could tell himself, "Hey, this is I'm I'm not just a low level fraud anymore." Certainly, that's what happened to me. I was tired of being a petty criminal. I felt like I'm bigger than this. I stabbed my dad and tried to kill him at 16. I got heart. I'm big. I'm brave. Why am I doing petty crime? In fairness well, to you, because because our audience doesn't know this, this was after you took the beating of a lifetime, right? Yeah, I mean, I was beaten as a kid. And so at 16, he was beating me, beating me really, really bad. I mean, the, the county took us away from him. And, uh, he, you know, I had a concussion, broken bone. It's, that's a whole other thing. But, yeah, I mean, I was defending myself. And uh, he and he lived. I almost I did it. But what I'm, the point I'm saying is I still had the balls to get up and do something like that. And I knew that that I, I was bigger than this little narrative I had. So he has this life of he's he's a fraud. He's presenting himself as being something he's not. And so he. It bothers him. So of course he's like, and how can I, how can I up, dial up my, my, my sense of self? And he goes to rob these banks. But like you're saying, after a while, yeah, he's robbing the banks and he feels great. And he's always getting all this respect as a cheapsaholic. He's got, you know, all these people following him and he's got that. But at the end of the night, he has to stick with himself. And he knows he's about nothing. He knows he's a lie. He knows all this stuff's manufactured. That as much as just holding up this, like, this life and the intensity of being a, a thief that alone crushes people. It's hard to live with yourself. And he could have just been like, ah, whatever, you know, in, in a perverse way, he kind of got what he was looking for though. He got, he got it's notoriety. It may be of the, the infamy kind, but he got that notoriety. I mean, he's, he's a punchline at the ESPYs. He's in the New York times. He is a high profile person now. And he's going to be in prison for quite some time, but probably always, a, a decade, right? So if he ever watches this, what would your advice be to him on what to do now, how to turn around his life? Two, one thing I want to say about what you just said, and then we can, and then I'll answer your question. We could close it up. Is yep. he gets to go in there saying, I was in the New York times. I wasn't even in the New York times. <laughs> That's, that's a huge deal. Like he gets to go in there with like with narrative power, and also, it's a he did what I did. He created a cinematic life. This is going to be a movie one day, if not a book. And depending where he is, in the feds, I was able to get out and make and write my memoir and and do whatever I want with the memoir. It's going to be a TV show. It might be a movie one day. It's going to be all that. He has that now. He made that life for himself. Now. He's going to get caught up in all the, the, the bullshit of prison because he's going to go to a maximum security prison. He's committed several crimes. He's escaped. Now his numbers go up. Even though he didn't do serious crime before, they're going to want to put him behind, bar, behind a wall 
or behind a couple fences, which is maximum security penitentiary. And he's going to be there with the big boys now. Now, I don't care what kind of crime his mother hipped him to. If he hasn't been to prison before on the feds and he hasn't done time with serious criminals, there, he's, now he's going to, and he's going to do time with every mafioso. Every mafia is going to have their guys in his prison he goes to. And those guys are serious criminals. By that, I mean they're serious organized criminals. And they got a posse, and he's by himself. And so he's going to have to find a way to keep his head down and now value the future he will one day have. He's young enough so that he's, they're not going to wash him up because precisely because he has no big extensive criminal record with this, with this kind of stuff. He's, he's going to probably get, I don't know, I'd say under 20 years, which means he'll end up doing 15. He can come out again, and he can experience a lot of great things between now and then. If he changes his life, if he sticks to books, goes to school and college in there, some, some places will have college. If he reads up, studies, if he changes his life, just does meditation and yoga, do whatever, Buddhism, find God, whatever, changes his life, he can be a real instrument. His narrative now gives him scope so he can influence a lot of people in a positive way because he now has a story to go tell people that will capture him, and then they'll listen to him saying, but here's what it was. It was empty. I was spending all this cash. I was going to all these places, and it sounds romantic, and it sounds great, but look where it ended. Look where I ended up. Yeah, he's got a great opportunity. If he puts his nose down, avoids all the nonsense, tries to stay straight, he, he, can, he could turn this into something interesting for himself and his family. I mean, you're the model of what he could do because not only did you use your story and your storytelling ability to write a book and create opportunities for you, but you've become an advocate. And mm. as someone who was an ex-criminal who had a hard upbringing, you have credibility when you talk to young people who are, are in a similar situation. So hopefully uh, this, is, this is a wake-up call and he still has time to uh, turn his life around uh, again, guys, this is fun to talk about, but bank robbing is not a victim, uh, victimless, uh, victimless crime. Just want to reiterate that before we get you guys out of here. One last question on a lighter note, Dine know this. So you consulted on and cameoed in baby driver, love the movie. What, would, what was your getaway song or did you have multiple get us getaway songs? Uh, so I've thought about that. So when I, when I, I, after the first bank robbery going away, I was like, man, I need a getaway song. So I went home and um, I looked, you know, there's a video on my website, joeloya.ltd. There's a video I, where I talk about this and I go through all the, all the songs that I, that I look at, all the bands and songs. And I landed on Smooth Colonel by Michael Jackson. So I go to the second bank robbery. I put in, this is when I had, um, I had like a, a 10 disc CD player in my car. So I, I punch in the song when I'm getting away. What year would this have been? You think 89, okay. 88, 88. So this is smooth criminal comes on. I realize he's like, it's the ballad of Annie's rapist or murderer. It's like, it's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with a pristine getaway. So I like pop it off. Like, wait, what, you know, and as I came in through the window, Annie, are you okay? Like, it's just, bullshit it's like not the song for a criminal who's has making a pristine getaway so i went home and i did it again and i looked at all these songs i ended up with comfortably numb by uh pink floyd that was my getaway song for the next you know 20 something bank robberies yeah wow i think that movie is used in, in the departed 
uh, the another, music? yeah, I think Comfortably yeah. Numb is in The Departed. Another another great crime movie. Fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Baby Driver was a fun. It was a fun movie to to be involved with. It was fun to be on set when Jamie Foxx shot me. It was it was and Edgar Wright, such a brilliant director, so fun to work with. Yeah, and when I saw it, it was. Even though I had worked on helping and talking about the script and reading the script all along the way, the way Edgar made that and the way it opened, wow. Yeah, he's Whoever an incredibly – I recommend you see this. It's one of the best heist movie openings ever. I would describe Edgar Wright as a highly inventive filmmaker. He really uses the medium in terms of transitions and music and clever camera work and special effects uh, to the max. So definitely recommend that. Well, love having Joe on. If more information comes out, uh, I, I hope we're done. I hope no other people. <laughs> I hope no other people got terrorized, and this wasn't. This was only eight robberies instead of twenty or thirty, like you did. But until then, we all have a weekend to get to. So that is it for this special edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. For Richard and Joe, I'm Adam. As always, go Chiefs. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.